inside this whip. He rained out his burner. Mama looking at me, crying. She asking when they can stop the murder. Till when did they first stop burning? Till there was no more hurdles. Pop green up, no kernels. This lean designer, no Virgil. No Tesla, I'm a mega pilot. They told my homie, so I gotta break a silence. Welcome back to another episode of All Hustle, No Luck, man. We're here today. Kev is back. It's me and him today. We're sharing the pod. We're going to hold it down. Um, Chris will be with us next time. But uh, for now, we're just going to discuss some things that are going on in NBA, man. Um, I don't want to dig into too much or reveal too much off the top. Let's talk to Kev, see how he's been, and then we'll dig into the topics. How you been, Kev? All good, man. We're almost there. This is a very low point in the season, and we're getting there. It's almost playoff time. Right. This is the part of the season where people start to debate whether or not an 82-game schedule is actually worth it because this is poor quality basketball. I was watching something on Bleacher Report, and they said that the Thunder and the the Blazers rolled out the most unknown starting lineups known to man, and I couldn't name, like, two players. But, yo, but, like, there's still a lot to be played for. That's the thing, like. Yeah, but I, I just, just feel like we don't care. I just feel like we just don't care, but there is a lot to be played for. Like, I get it. Like, if you're still fighting for playoff position, then, yeah, it's worth it. But if you're in the bottom of the barrel and you're already excluded from the playoff race... Like I feel like the NBA should create something to do that. Like that doesn't change anything. Like if we made it 72, 52, 32, like when men's are eliminated, they're eliminated. But maybe they need to incentivize it. Maybe they need to add some bonuses or something for these guys to actually go out there and play. Well, yeah. that's a different discussion. But let's dig into the topic of today because I really did want to talk about it because it was it was going around on Reddit. And obviously, I'm a big, big, big proponent of one man in this conversation. So let's talk about it. So um, just generally speaking, right now, there's obviously been some tension in Utah, right? Uh, Donovan Mitchell has... There's been no, there's no tension between Donovan Mitchell and Gobert. They said that Donovan Mitchell isn't necessarily happy with the way that Utah has been performing, and it's at no faults of his own. And obviously, Rudy Gobert probably feels the same way defensively, saying he's doing all he needs to do, but for whatever reason, it's not clicking. This You can maybe attribute this to when COVID originally started, and Gobert was responsible for giving Donovan Mitchell COVID, and there was some tension there. We don't know where this sparked from, but um, I'm going to give some quick stats. I have it here, too. Oh, you have it? Yeah. Okay. Um Donovan Mitchell, according to Dustin Taylor, of um, he's a certified moderator on Reddit. The proofs on no, the proofs on um, NBA.com. I'm actually looking at it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's on NBA.com. Like you can filter for it. When you look at the passes to Rudy Gobert from um, Donovan Mitchell, it's two point three passes per game, zero point six assists. Right. So, Rob, you go ahead first. I want because I want you to explain this one. Okay. So, like, okay. So here's the thing, right? I know that this is a team sport and like I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to start very general and then I'm going to break it down to the specific situation. This is a team sport. You're not always going to have people that you like to play with. You're not always going to like the personalities that you have to play with. But nonetheless, this is a job and it's a team sport, so you're going to do what you need to do, which I feel like Donovan Mitchell has done to this point. He's gone out there and he's kept it professional. I don't think he's actually went out and said anything outlandish to make him be this vilified person so i I, i'm gonna give him kudos for that now this is a bit of a of a slippery slope it's too far it's a bit of a slippery slope because for one we don't know what this means exactly because you can say two to three passes a game but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going outside of the the flow of the offense 
Like if if Quinn Snyder's playbook doesn't have them in many actions with one another, Fam, and that's they, the game plan. He's the main pick and roll guy. Okay, let me give you something else, right? Yeah. Rudy Gobert's 2.3 passes per game. Hassan Whiteside is 1.5. And we know the discrepancy in minutes there. Right. But here's the thing, Kevin. And I, I'm not denying that it's not a reality or it's not a possibility. My only problem is, is like, how do you... I don't know how Quinn Snyder... Quinn Snyder, of all people, probably knows this, right? Yeah, he probably facts. knew this way back. So at what point do you have to address it? And at what point are are you not addressing it or are you addressing it and it's not being seen to the end? Because I can't imagine that him passing you the ball or passing Gobert the ball minimal times a game and you notice that and you're not doing anything about it because that clearly would have to impact your game plan, right? But that's what I'm saying. I think it, maybe the game plan doesn't involve a lot of them in, in similar actions. And I could be wrong there. I don't have the stats to prove it, but I don't see how a coach can sit on the sidelines for X amount of games, know that this is going on, and one, not pull somebody to the side, or two, not make adjustments. Because it's obviously affecting their team. And maybe that is the reason why Utah, Utah's losing the I, I don't Rob, know. Me and you, me and you we watch, because this is something that I've... Like, I'm not going to say I knew it, but I, I, I could tell that it's not just uh, Donovan, to be fair. Jordan Clarkson doesn't pass to Rudy Gobert either anytime he has mismatches. So, like, it's something I've noticed, but I would have never assumed that it was this bad, right? They run, the Utah Jazz, they kind of run an offense where Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell do similar things. Would you agree with that? I agree. Okay. Mike Conley averages 5.7 passes per game to Rudy Gobert. Like, yeah, there's clearly a difference. It's not just a, a style thing. Right, and if I go look up Jordan Clarkson, I'm sure it's going to be very similar to Donovan Mitchell's, and I think it's just that's a problem, right? Like you can you can go out there and tell me we're going to work through it, like that's not working through. That's just keeping your mouth shut. You know what I mean? Like if you have a problem with somebody, we all have the expectation that these guys don't probably don't really like each other, but they go out there and they play because they want to win. You're not telling me that the guy that sets you the most screens is getting a pass from you. Two times per game. Again, let's be clear here. We're not talking assists, but we're talking about passes. In what world does that make any sense? And can you justify that? So if I'm, I would assume the Quinn Sider and the Jazz know about it, right? It would be kind of irresponsible for not for them to not know what's going on here. But if they say they don't, if they if this just landed on their front desk today, I don't really see a way this can continue. Either Donovan Mitchell is going to have to change it because we know it has nothing to do with Rudy Gobert. We know that. He he can't go get the ball. Donovan Mitchell has to pass it to him. Right. When you're on the minute and you share that many minutes together and you pass somebody the ball that little times when he's the one setting you the screens, like, there's something wrong with that. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And again, I, I wanted to preface my, my, my statement by saying I – don't know if I'm right or wrong because I don't want to assume that Donovan Mitchell is intentionally doing this. But obviously, to when you're dealing with numbers that low in a game where you're one of the primary ball handlers, it, it has to be somewhat intentional. But my only thing is, is like, who is to blame? Because if Donovan Mitchell is not doing this, right? Somebody has to point the finger at him. And if nobody's pointing the finger at him, someone has to point the finger at Quinn, at Quinn Snyder. Because... There, I want to see the trajectory of of Utah's um, season as well because when did this start happening? Was this a full season thing? Is oh, that it's been too- happening? So I, I've noticed this all season. 
Like I and it's not. I think Jordan Clarkson may be worse than um than Donovan Mitchell. They don't pass him the ball. But did the average drop though? I guess that's my question. Was it right. four to begin but, the season you know, and we it, moved to two? Because here's the difference, right? Like I'll watch Jordan Clarkson have Gobert wide open. He won't even look at him. Pass him up. Blah blah blah. The minute Whiteside gets in the game, he's tossing the lobs. Right? Like it's it's weird. Why I think they just simply don't like him and. It's affecting them on the court. And I'm not trying to say that in like a juvenile sense as if like they're just being um I don't even know short to you, but like I'm not saying that they're doing it on purpose, right? But like it's just happening. And this can't continue to happen because if I just found out about this, teams must know now. And very soon I'll be interested to see come playoff time what they're gonna do. If they know Donovan Mitchell is not gonna pass on the ball. They're going to put the smallest guy on him and just dare him to, to see if it's actually going to happen. That's what I do if I was an op- opposition coach. Right? And I think it's like, for all the limitations that Gobert has offensively, he can catch lobs. And that's it. And that's where you can see the difference. Like, Mike Conley's throwing the ball, but nobody else is. We know Ingles throws the ball, too. So you think that fine. it has something to do with their relationship as opposed to just a scheme? Clearly. Because I just gave you the um, Mike Conley one. And even if you, okay, if you told me it was a scheme, because keep in mind, when Rudy Gobert comes off, Son Whiteside comes in, they play the exact same offense. Right. If you're telling me it's a scheme, those numbers should be as reflective to Whiteside. But even though Rudy Gobert plays almost twice as many minutes as Son Whiteside, he gets past the ball a higher percentage when he's on the court. How many of those passes are like? How much time do they share in the court with Donovan though? Because that would matter. Because like, if if Hassan is averaging what seventeen to twenty minutes a game, but Donovan is only on the floor with 10, 10 of those minutes, like I, I again, there's there's nuance to it. Obviously, like I understand what you're saying. Generally, like it doesn't really matter because if it's happening, it's happening and it needs to get addressed. But I, I want to kind of dig into the details and say, okay, like what's really going on here? Like, can we can we can we nitpick here? Because clearly. This is affecting their team chemistry and their performance, right? Like this year from Utah has been the year from hell. Like they started out really well. They kind of sputtered. And now like even if they are performing relatively well compared to the other teams in the league, they're taking almost for a joke. Like no one's looking at Utah as a contender now. This is last, a first round out. <laughs> last year it was two. It was 3.5. 3.5 between Gobert and Mitchell? Yeah. year before that it was 5.8. So it's dropping. So there's a, a clear yeah. trend yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Clear. Something happened. Something clear. Happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. My question is the reason why I really want to talk about it is just like go bear aside, right? I've always kind of because you always kind of hear this conversation where like everyone says you got to keep your big man involved, right? Like you can't just have him running out the court. You got to throw him a bone every once in a while, even if he's not the best guy in the post, even if his offensive bag isn't that great. Every now and then you got to give him a touch to keep him interested, right? And I feel like. Great teams have always found a way to do this. I remember OKC when they were very good with PG and Russ, for example. First play always goes to Steven Adams. If you watch the Suns, typically first play they're trying to get a lot for DeAndre. Like they're trying to keep their big man while they're trying to get him going early because like a, an engaged big man is obviously a lot more helpful for your team, especially when they play defense. And Bigs can't just go get themselves involved more often than not, right? Someone has to get them the ball. So my question to you, Rob, is just like, is how important is it 
to throw that big man a bone every once in a while. Because there's clear videos out there of just like a guy like Rudy Gobert having Clay Thompson under him, under the post, and the entire team's looking off. Like, how much can you expect Gobert to continue to do what he's doing right. when we're all human and, like, everybody wants to score the basketball? It, it's very important. It's very important to make sure that you're involved in your bigs because there's two sides to the argument. You have bigs like Cat that don't need really anybody. They can do it by themselves, but they're one in they're one in a million. You you don't get those type of guys every day. Most bigs, if we're being honest, are rim-running, energetic uh, bigs, and they're not going to be able to create for themselves. They need somebody to lob the ball. They need to get fed in transition when they run the floor. Um, they need to be involved in certain actions to stay engaged. And I'll go back to a, a podcast. I, I can't remember the name, but this was about two years ago. And they said that it was, no, sorry. It was the Gilbert Reader podcast. It was about two and a half years ago. And I, I love what he said here. He said, a lot of people don't understand that just because you're six, eight, sorry, six, 10, six, 11, seven foot. That means that you have a love for the game. A lot of people don't understand that you may have just been that guy that grew to that height. And you may never have been able to get to a point where you say, you know what? I love the game to this point. So if I'm out there playing basketball, I'm going to be engaged right. versus the guards that go out there and put in the work every day because they're a six foot, six foot one. It's, yeah, it's yeah, much yeah. harder for them to get through. They're dedicated to the game. So it's much easier for them to stay engaged in the course of a basketball game. And it, that really stuck with me. But I think it's a prime case of just generally, if you're not involving your bigs, he's not going to do what he needs to do for you on, on, on the other side, other end of the court, right? You want your bigs to set proper screens. You want them to box out. You want them to make your life easier. So you got to return the favor, right? A lot of people don't understand that this is supposed to be a symbiotic relationship between your guard and your, and your big. He feeds off you. You feed off him. You guys work with one another and it should be mutually beneficial. The minute that you're, he's doing a little bit more than you're doing for him is the minute that tension usually starts to build and Bigs are easy to get demotivated and and not be as engaged, not do the small things that you need to be um, doing to be a part of a winning program. So I guess just to sum it up, I I firmly believe that you need to make sure and make it a priority to get your bigs involved, however that may be, right? Whether it's a a bruising big like Shaq or it's a a rim running center like uh, Capella or something, something. you need to make them get involved because when they're involved, it makes your life easier and it makes your team better. Yeah, I think, like, I'm going to add to what you're saying, right? Because, like, this conversation sounds stupid. Because a guy like Clint Capella, who's getting paid $20 million, um, who are some other defensive bigs, Robert Williams, those type of guys that I'm paying you $20 million for the most part to play defense, someone might just look at you and say, listen, like, your job is to go play defense. Whether I give you the ball or not should not affect your ability to go do that. But if the matter of fact, like, the fact, what, what matters is that, like, we're talking about humans, not robots. Like you can't just program somebody to do something. And obviously in a perfect world, if I pay you $20 million and I never give you a single shot, I'm going to get the exact level of effort you're, that I would want from you. But that's just not natural. And you, you'll see guards, some twos, some threes, that when they're not getting the ball, they'll disappear from games, right? And But the difference is they're ball handlers, so they can go get it. They have a better ability to involve themselves. Right. So like you have to continue to keep these guys involved and just it's only better for your team. Every once in a while, I'm going to throw Dwight Howard up a post touch as bad as it's going to look, as bad as it's going to be, as much as it's probably going to end up in a turnover or a airballed hook shot. I got to give it to him every once in a while just to just so he feels the ball like as stupid as that is like 
imagine you're out there running up and down the court, literally from key to key, not even on the wings, from key to key, setting screens, grabbing rebounds, going to the other side, and you don't touch the ball once. It's, it's like, hard. That takes, a, that takes a special person to stay engaged. So, so it's like when I find a team, I think I think um, Memphis does a pretty good job with this of this with uh, Stephen Adams. Like they'll get mm-hmm. to him early. They'll try and get him going early. It's just like they shouldn't be an afterthought. Like it should be in the back of your mind that, okay, like if this guy's on the court and he can, especially if he has the ability, right? I'm talking like, we can talk about the guys that have no ability to do anything with the ball in their hands. But if you have a guy that can do something set, like that's a semi-competent player in the post, just give him the ball every once in a while, man. See, and I'm going to bring it back to Utah because I feel like there's, there's a distinction that has to be made here. For the guys that can do something, they 100% deserve to be a part of the offense. Actually, no, let me let me rephrase. Everybody deserves to be a part of the offense, no matter how small of a role you play, no matter how much you're getting paid. If you're on the court, you're one of the five guys, being involved only helps your team. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go out there and shoot the ball a million times, but there's ways to be involved without necessarily having the ball in your hands. Put that aside. I think, I think guards... And this is gonna be a bit of a wild take, but I think guards carry a certain bravado with about them. Like they have a certain level of an ego where they may think that they're better than or more skilled than the the the, they the guy they're passing it to. They are. But I think in this case, and I don't I don't want to say that Donovan Mitchell is that guy, but I think in this case, it's one of those situations, and I've been saying this for a while, where we're this team. We're supposed to have two quote-unquote stars. Similar, even the same thing in Philly, I would say. We have two quote-unquote stars that people are raving about and blah, blah, blah. But when it comes down to it, it looks like I'm doing all the heavy lifting on one side of the ball. And even if Donovan Mitchell's not holding it down defensively, we know that this is the offensive-driven sport. So I want to know whether or not there's some truth as to whether Donovan Mitchell's looking at this guy and saying, hey, like you're supposed to be a star. And you can't do anything on offense. I have to chuck you the ball to put up some nonsense. Like, what is, what are you doing that so makes you so special? Is there like, like a is that where the beef stems from? Is there a, is like I don't understand like what what could come of that because I just think it's a lack of mutual respect. Bro. Obviously, the COVID thing is probably what started it, but just like in terms of on the court, I think it's a like as I said, we we had this conversation to hoop talk. Yeah, about. they just don't respect each other. That's what I think it is, and I think it's maybe it's more so Donovan Mitchell than Rudy Gobert because like. As you said, it's an offensive-driven sport, so we're always going to discount what the defensive player does and highlight what the offensive player does. So he's going to look at Rudy Gobert and say, why can't I give you the ball in the post if you're making $30 million and you give me a move, right? But on the other side, Rudy Gobert is going to look at Donovan Mitchell and say, if you're making $30 million, you're Donovan Mitchell, you're an all-star. Why can't you stay in front of your men? And neither one of them respect each other for what they do. And I think it's more so Donovan Mitchell because Rudy Gobert's out there setting screens. He's doing his job. He sets screens for everybody. Mitchell's not passing to everybody. And like to me, it's just that simple. Like offensive driven sport or not, this team struggles without Rudy Gobert on the court. Right? I don't care if you don't like him. You couldn't look at me and tell me that that's not a true statement. So it's like throw him a bone every once in a while. That two passes, whatever we're talking about, it's just that's just not going to work. Like from even from the jazz standpoint, like you can't have that in your team. If it wasn't known, cool. But once it, that becomes known, now a guy like Rudy Gobert is going to be really wondering, like, walk on. If you're telling me we're committed to winning all this, blah blah blah, you're not. If you're giving me two passes a game. So my question to you is, do you think which, 
I don't want to say this because this I don't want to I don't want to start this narrative. But do you think they'd be better off with with one or the other, or who do you think they'd be better off with? Because I don't see this taken into the next season. There's no way Utah know. looks in and says, "Yeah, we're gonna go next season with this." I don't know, man. I know what you're looking for. You're trying to drop me <laughs> out. I'm not doing this I had to drop. I had to drop the little bone every now and again and see if someone's willing to pick it up. But yeah, honestly, it's weird. It's a weird situation, and honestly, I don't know what sparked this. We know, man. It's been but, brewing. Like, but you see, it, it's been brewing, but at some point, it had to have gotten to this point because COVID. That whole COVID thing was how long ago? Fam. It's been progressive. That's the thing. Like, but I'm saying there has to been have been a catalyst. Something must have happened, or COVID somebody was a catalyst. And since then, it's only gotten worse. That's just the way I see it. Like, because I told you, five point six uh, passes per game in the COVID year, the year when the season ended. Last year was three point five. This year is two point three. It's a clear trend down. Like, it's not just something that happened overnight. You're literally seeing point blank like with evidence that over time this has simply just gotten worse and worse like how what are we gonna wait for till zero no i get i understand what you're saying and i agree i just think that something happened post the original covid incident i'm that sure but have, like, you know there was one I, I don't know i don't know i don't know losing doesn't help either so maybe that's what it is um but let's transition a little bit because we are approaching the nba playoffs best time of the year um, right now we're in the dog days, but I want to look at some of these first round matchups and just kind of get your opinion. So what I was hoping we could do is we could just talk generally. Um, I was hoping if we can get like a star of who you think this, who you think would be a star of the series. Uh, maybe someone who you think is going to sell and maybe a surprise player, just anything really off the top. Cause right now this, like the standings aren't set hundred percent. So this is subject to move, but I think it's still worthy of a conversation. So let's start in the East. Right now, the Brooklyn Nets need to win two games to actually get into the playoffs. Right now, they're currently tied uh, with Charlotte at the record of 40 and 38. So right now, if it if it stands, let's talk about the plan. They would have to play, if I'm not mistaken, Charlotte and then win against the winner of Atlanta. The loser. The loser. Sorry, yeah. Win against the loser of Atlanta and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I'll, I'll, read, a article, I'll read a stat that I, I read last night that the... Brooklyn Nets have, I think it was, they said they have the best offense and the worst. They have the biggest disparity between their offense and defense since the ABA merger when Kyrie Irving's on the floor. That's how modernist. That When I read but that, yo, I mean, that was wild. When you think about weird, it, though. you think about it, though, for a second. What they have, Basically, what the article was trying, the point that for listeners that don't understand what that means, basically what the article was saying is that they have one of the most potent offenses. They have no problem scoring the ball. But they're basically letting people go into a layup line on the other end, and they can't really do anything about it. The biggest disparity since the ABA merger. So what are your thoughts on on, on any one of these matchups? Because first, they're going to play Charlotte, and then maybe the loser of Atlanta and um, the Cavs. Uh, I don't know, man. I think we obviously did a lot of talking about a Philly-Nets matchup. And like most recently, I told them that if we don't get it, then like I don't want to hear about whichever team didn't make it. But can they win two games? Maybe. But like... There's only so much adversity you can go through before it just you just run out of gas. Like a championship contender is not supposed to start this way. Because then you're telling me you're gonna have to fight for your life. You're gonna play two do or die matchups and then go play the one seed. Like, even if they make it out the two, what can I realistically expect from them? Kyrie not like Ben Simmons. We can't speak about Ben Simmons as a factor this year. That's just irresponsible. 
they've given us no indication that he's going to play at all this year. So let's just remove him from the equation, right? As good as I know KD to be, as good as I know Kyrie to be, as I, as good as I believe the Brooklyn Nets to be, right? And I think they could knock off a lot of the top teams in the East. And I think they're probably one of the best teams in the East, but there's only so much. The path to the conference finals can only be so hard to the point where at some point you're going to get tired. You're going to drop off. So, yeah, I think they can win too, but like, okay, if the Charlotte Hornets win two games and make it in, that's a successful season for them. If the Nets win two games and make it in, they might try and spin it like it was, but if they get knocked out in the first round, that's not a successful season. So it's like, what really matters here? And if they get knocked out in the play in the play-in, that's damning. But again, you got to win two games. That's not easy for anybody. Right. Two do or die games. Exactly. Everyone's playing for their life. You're not, it's not like one team's playing for his life, the other team doesn't care. Everyone's playing for their life. That's two game sevens in a row. And then on top of that, when you're done, you got to go see the, one of the best teams in the league. Come on, man. It's a, it's a rough road, 100%. It's 100%. So when I'm looking at it, if I'm speaking strictly about Brooklyn, I mean, like, Katie's going to do what he's going to do. I think he's obviously going to be the best performing player in that series. I think the X factor comes from Brooklyn's um, ancillary players. I don't know if I can count on Ben Simmons to be there, as you said, so I'm going to assume that he's not. Um, but, like, what is, the, what is the rest of the team going to do? Because now I just I just watched Katie put up 50 points and lose. <laughs> um, was it 50 put up last night? 55. 55 last night and lost against the Hawks, which could be yeah. one of the teams that he has to play. And if you watch that game, it wasn't one of those situations where it's neck and neck. It was it was pretty candidly that they were getting their ass handed to. Um, it was close down the stretch, though. But that's what I'm saying. It, it got closed down the stretch because KD had to go out of his mind, and it still resulted in an L. So yeah. I'm looking at the team, and I'm saying, like, right now the team's not constructed for championship basketball. They have two high-level high talents, and the rest of the team's kind of subpar. And honestly, I, I can see a situation where if, if the Hornets just put together a good two quarters to start that game— and KD's doing what he needs to do, and Kyrie's doing what he needs to do, but they, they get 10, 15 points from their bench, or they're not getting anything from their bench, that can really spin left for them. So I'm interested. I'm interested. I, th- I think Brooklyn ultimately will still come out on the top um, just because well, they, they okay, have the say, best talent. Say they make it out and they got to see Miami. Like, Who are you taking? I'm going to take Miami. I'll take Miami. I'll take Miami in s- six. I'll take yeah, Miami in six. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'll take Miami in six. The only reason why I'll take Miami in six is because I feel like Miami is one of those teams where they know what they're playing for. So when people always argue about, oh, Jimmy's not playing or this or Bam's missing this games, I think Miami has a bigger, they have a better vision of the overall picture. They know what they're playing for. So when the time comes for playoffs to start, I don't think that they're going to go out there and play willy-nilly. I think everybody's going to be healthy. Everybody's going to be rested. They're going to go out there. They're going to execute. And they're already the number one team in the in the league. So, like, I, they're going to be firing on all cylinders going forward. So, I don't like, see how they lose. The thing about turning it on is, like, we make the assumption that you – it's, like, you can just do it. Like, you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to play well. And, like, it just doesn't happen that way sometimes, though. But I'm saying They're right not, now they're on. <laughs> but now they're going to have health in their, in their back pocket. Yes. Health? Yeah. I don't, like – why? Because they've been resting and shit. Like, I, I firmly believe that Jimmy Butler's been resting. I don't want to hear about the ankle and this, this, and that. He's he's been resting, man. I, I firmly, I know yeah, that for a fact. Like I would, just, I would assume he's gonna play come playoff time if he has yeah. any of those things. That's fair, but like, 
Yeah, I don't know. But they, you can't say they're they're bad for a very well, uh, good while. Like in the past week, they kind of fixed up, but right, they were blowing double digit leads. Knicks were running through them. They were taking some bad L's. They got absolutely slapped by the Nets last weekend. Like they're five and five in their last ten, but again, yeah. they're the first team in the conference to clip fifty wins. So, yeah. I mean, who's we'll next? Um, let's talk about it. We're not going to talk about all of them because some of them aren't, aren't really worthy of discussion, but let's talk about this Boston and potential Chicago Bulls matchup. So Boston's currently sitting in third seed, uh, Chicago six. They've obviously slipped since their, um, I, I'm going to call it a peak because I think that's the best that they're ever going to be. But anyways, um, what do you think about the matchup? Who do you have star starring in this matchup or this series? Who do you have potentially selling any surprises? What are your thoughts? I have... Jason Tatum starring. Yep. Right. I think an X factor could be Alex Caruso, just because they're going to need someone to get stops on guys like Jalen Brown and um, Jason Tatum. And that's probably the only player you can look to on Chicago to do so. Right. Lonzo's not anywhere close to being back, right? Like, that was a big loss for them. And low key, Lonzo's going to probably end up playing like 30 games on the season. So it's like, it's kind of messed up. But who could possibly sell? A guy like Vooch. Maybe like we've seen Vooch struggle a bit in the past. Yeah. A lot of it was due to Mark Gasol just owning man's, but like he's one of those guys that he's not gonna he's never gonna get played off the floor because he can shoot the ball and like he's a skilled big, but this is probably not a series for him. Right? Guys like Damar or Levine, they're gonna be able to do what they do, but in terms of having a series and be able to play well and you know put your imprint on the game, I think that might be a struggle for Vooch or Marcus Smart. Right. Um in this matchup I have Jalen Brown starting. I feel like right now th- the Celtics are, are are really firing in all cylinders, but I know that Boston, sorry, um, uh, Chicago's going to have to go in there with a game plan on how to stop Jason Tatum. And I feel like once they execute that, Jalen Brown is going to have free reign because even if we talk about Caruso as a potential guy to guard Jalen Brown, he's still too small. He's, I feel like he's still too small. Lonzo's out. DeMar don't play no defense. Zach don't play no defense. And even if they scheme up a, a way to stop Tatum, Jalen Brown's going to have free reign. Who I could possibly see selling? It depends. I'm gonna go with Zach Levine, and this is gonna be a tough take because now nah, he's a stepper, bro. He's a stepper, but he's a stepper I haven't seen play playoff basketball. So fair, fair, right? Like I thought, Cat was a stepper too. And nah, then, <laughs> <laughs> I felt this is why I could have won with Levine. Like that's just the easy answer. You're just picking the best guy with the least playoff experience. That's, that's what it is, though. That's that's, that's what just, he is. But you, we could just do that for every one of these matchups. But it's different when you talk about a guy that who potentially is in conversation for all NBA making his first playoffs. It can go either way. If he goes out there and averages like less than 20 points a game or 20 points on bad efficiency and they get mollywopped, we're going to talk about him as a, as a, as a poser. Cause it wasn't too long ago. The guys no, were telling me that Zach is a guy. I was telling you he's a guy, but I hear you. I, I understand. I'm just saying that's the cop out. That's the easy one. I could have said that I could have gave the same take and we'd be right here. Spinning our wheels. I just right. thought that was too easy. So. Um, I think surprise performer for me, I'd probably, I'm, this is going to be a little bit wild, but I probably am going to go with Grant Williams. Um, I read an article about a month ago and it said that Grant Williams statistically is the best role player in the NBA. Like statistically, like he's, they talk about versati- versatility, they talk about uh, him not making mistakes, him being able to shoot from deep. They're saying basically like he's like the prototypical role player, that, the seventh, eighth guy on your bench. And I feel like, in a matchup like this, where you really, really have a size advantage, uh, he's going to be able to go out there and play 
he's going to be able to go out there and play some small ball. Um, he's going to go out there and be able to play four comfortably, not have to worry about being oversized or anything like that because Chicago is a small team. So, um, yeah, I think Grant Williams can go out there. I'm not saying he's going to go out there average 20, but like if he goes out there and puts up a 14, 6, and 2 and for the series, that's solid bench production. And I don't think that Chicago has anybody on their bench that can match that. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, I think I want to change what I said. I think one of the surprise performers can be Al Horford. I forgot, Ooh, that, uh, I forgot Rob Williams is missing, right? So, like, yeah, he's going to be the guy that's going to have to guard Vooch, and they've played against each other a handful of times. So, I think he, he could have a very big series, and he's one of those guys that's probably been on ice all season, if we're being realistic. Definitely. I have to lean on him now. Definitely. I agree. Let's move forward to – do you want to talk about Philly Raps or do you want to move to the West? Uh, let's go to the West. I think Philly's a natural favorite in that one. So let's talk about. I want to talk about Memphis and, and Timberwolves. Actually, you know what? Let's circle back, man. Let's circle back. What are you saying, Robs? What do you Philly and Sixers? Who are you so, take, or, I'll say this. I'm taking Sixers and Seven. I'll take Sixers and Seven. MVP of the performance is going to be Embiid. There's nobody on the Raps that can stop Embiid. It doesn't matter. How, he's torturing anybody who put him. Boucher's too small. Precious is garbage. Don't, don't we have his number, though? We had his number when we had Marc Gasol. Okay, fair. <laughs> and Marc Gasol was a... Bo- Let me rephrase. He wasn't a bona fide defender. He had the reputation of being a good defender, but he nah, nah, he, he showed was. flashes. He, was, he showed flashes. Nah, he, he was a lead at what he did still. Yeah, but yeah, we have nobody to throw at Embiid. Not, not a soul. And then if I'm talking about who I think is going to sell, this is a bit hard for me, but I, th- I think somebody like Van Vliet might struggle. Because I think this is going to be a situation where he's going to be required to do a lot. And I'm not saying that Van Vliet's not capable of doing it. I just want to know what the numbers are going to look like when he's forced to do it. Because I'm going to need 25 a game for Van Vliet in the series, to be honest. That's stupid. How? Well, go ahead. Need? I need that. Especially for comparing backcourt um, outputs. If Harden goes out there and does anything of what Harden normally does. That's just stupid. He might. So you're you're going to ask him to do something he doesn't normally do and then get mad at him when he doesn't do it. But I'm saying with with the playoffs comes a a, a lift in intensity and in performance. The stars rise to the top. A man selling can't be a man doing. You're telling me that if he doesn't average 25, he's sold? Is that what you're saying to me? Okay, I get what you're saying. Maybe not sell. Maybe sell's not the right word, but. Okay. okay, so I guess he's not the right product then. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. I'll give you that. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. A salesman is James Harden. That's who I'm going with. <laughs> Listen, they're going to win the series. Don't get me wrong. But it's going to be tough. And what's going to happen is it's going to be a tough series. I think Philly wins in six. I'm not going to give him seven. I don't think the Raptors have enough. But I think we're going to – Sixer fans are going to walk out of that series with – a, a bruised. They're going to be bruised up. We're going to take something from them. And Philly fans are going to be looking around saying, I don't know how James Harden is going to get us through the next round. That's what this series is going to be. It's not going to be the nail in the coffin. It's not going to finish them. It's just going to have the, the rest of the league and Philly fans who are acting like they love James Harden now are going to be sitting around wondering, damn, like, can this get any worse? Or is this going to get any better? Because he's been on a clear downturn and we know what happens, like, come playoff time for the most part with James Harden. In terms of MVPs, yeah, I think it's going to be Embiid. Or it can be a guy like Tyrese Maxey, just because the way I see Tyrese Maxey right now, especially with Harden coming in, there's no expectations on it in terms of what he does and what he does on a nightly basis. So those guys always get a chance to play free. And if they don't play well, it doesn't really matter. 
on the Raptors side, for us to be good, we're going to need Pascal at his very best. And I believe the last time we saw the Sixers, he struggled in that series. But, like, the way he's playing this year, I can only be hopeful. Right? The rational side of me wants to say, like, all right, let's just wheel it back. Like, we've seen anytime you get high on Pascal, he lets you down. But, like, right now I'm just hopeful that we can get a performance out of him and then hopefully take a take a pound of flesh out of Philly. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I agree. We just have to put our best foot forward and, and hope for the best. But I, I think the biggest surprise for me would be Tobias Harris. I feel like this is a matchup where he can really show that he deserves to be a part of this championship contending squad because he didn't perform that well since James Harden has come there. He's kind of been looking for his footing. But in this matchup, I firmly believe that he can go out there and do what he needs to do, especially if we're giving Embiid double teams all night. Um, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for him. So it's just a matter of whether or not he can capitalize. And granted, I don't think he's going to go out there and average 25. But if he's he's able to, four, he's averaging 14 against the Raptors this year. Right. I know. <laughs> he's been pretty bad. Well, to begin the season, he wasn't that bad. But against the Raptors, he's had poor performances. But I think this is an opportunity where he can really bring his game to a new level and say, okay, I put it like this. If he doesn't do it against the Raptors, I don't know when he's going to do it. Uh, that's what you're trying to get at a lot. That's basically what I'm saying. If, if he doesn't do it now, then you, you got to really, really reassess what Tobias Harris is even bringing to your team. <laughs> because if Embiid's getting doubled on a nightly basis for the seven games or however many it goes, and Harden's out there on the perimeter, this is your time to shine. Granted, we have really good wing defenders and, and big wing defenders. You have Scotty, OG, um, even Pascal has has good length. So we have guys that we could throw at him, but there shouldn't be any one person to say, oh my gosh, Tobias is a point of emphasis. We need to lock down. This is your time to step up, Tobias. I'm calling you out. Fair. Um, let's move forward to the West, though. Let's talk about Memphis and the Timberwolves, two teams that I, I honestly, at the beginning of the season, I would have never thought would have made it to the playoffs. Actually, no, maybe Memphis I would have assumed been in the conversation, but yeah. um, I wouldn't have pegged them as a top twoer, even a top five seed, to be honest. But what are your thoughts on this matchup so far? What do you think who do you have taken? What I'd say, like to your point, I wouldn't have expected them to play each other in the first round. Like that's what I would have never right, expected. Right. Whether or not they made it in, like I wouldn't have saw any way that those two teams are playing each other. But what do I think about it? I think it's just gonna be one of those where like we're just we're happy to be here in terms of Minnesota. Like they've kind of exceeded expectations already. They're t- 10 games over 500. Like that's no small feat for this team. They're not just a team that's scraping by or scraping in as a sub 500 team. Like they're well above 500. They've had very good points and very low points, but like they've had more good weeks and bad weeks and that's really all you need to get as far. So, I think like the way Memphis is playing, I think this isn't the matchup. Like this isn't the one where we see anything from. Them. I think they're gonna roll over this team. We might get a couple good matchups, but like they're just so much better as a team. And again, like that taste that Towns left in our mouth, like pause. Like I can't shake that. It's irritating. I simply can't, right? Yeah, like I can't <laughs> shake that. Like as as messed up as it was, the fact that I think it was only five games, like. It wasn't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, but that's all I saw from you, and I haven't seen anything since. And it's, like, burned into my skull. A guy like Ant, I'm starting to realize, like, the more and more I've watched him this season, he is – he will give you nothing for th- for two quarters, then drop 12 in a row. And when you're getting that 12 in a row and it comes at a timely point, it it's really helpful. But 
those first two quarters when you're not getting anything out of them and you're looking for some consistency and you can't get, that's really going to hurt, especially yeah. against better teams, right? But again, at the same point, he's a guy that could go out there and average 30 in a series and like, it would be something he's done like multiple times this season. So, but I spent a lot of time talking about Minnesota just because like they're the ones that I have questions for. In terms of like Memphis, I don't have any questions. I think they roll over this team, to be honest. Yeah, I think they wrap it up in six. Ah, yeah, they wrap it up in six. I, I is Jaw healthy? Is Jaw going to be playing? Well, the last the last article I read on Jaw, they said that like he could play like in the last two games of the season, but it's more of just being precautious. Like Fem, anytime I hear a team talk about he's going to come back for playoffs, I know he's hurt. Like I know well, whenever the conversation is he'll be back by playoffs, I know he's not going to be ready. Like he's going to play, but yeah. he's going to be hurt. So it's like same thing with Steph Curry. Like once they mm. said, oh, he'll be back, their targets back by playoffs, I know he's hurt. Last year when they said that with Brown, last year they said that with AD actually, I knew he had a problem. Like it's, right. it's just, if ideally you don't want that to be when a guy first plays a game. Sorry, Donovan Mitchell was the one last year. Remember he was out with the ankle injury until for a while. The entire and they always kept saying, um, and the regular season started playoffs. I knew right. there was something wrong. There. Like it's just too hard, man. It's too hard. But again, as long as Jaws playing, I think they're fine. If he doesn't play, different story. I know the record says that they should be just fine, but like, come on. Yeah, I firmly believe that Jaws is going to be the, the if he is playing and he's healthy, which is a big something big to ask. But I do believe he'll be the MVP of the series. I just don't see anybody on Memphis who even. I mean, they have Pat Bev, but he's more of like a pest at this point. He's not really playing defense. Um, yeah, sorry, hot take, guys. Pat Bev hasn't really been playing defense for about a year and a half. He's just out there making a muck. But anyways, uh, surprise player. I think you not you you knocked it right on the head. I would say Atman as well. I feel like Atman is really going to be that guy that can be an X factor. I think Minnesota's success in the series rides with with Atman. Um, if he's able to live up, then he, then they'll be able to compete. If not, they get mollywhopped. And I hope Towns doesn't sell again. I really, yeah, I mean, really, I, like, really just for really him personally. Like I don't want to see him go through that again, bro. Like if he does it, because this is we're talking about like a four year difference, I believe, since right when that happened. Like if if you go back four years later and do the same thing, and then because the thing is, next year, like, are we really gonna pencil them back into the playoffs? No, I'm not. Like not. we're not gonna just yeah, like we're not just gonna sign it and just put our money on it. Right not after with the Clips coming back full straight. Nope. That's what I'm saying. So like that might if you go and sell again, that might just be the last impression we have about you for a while, and like that's fucked up. Still right. I want to see what deloading does too, um, or DeAndre Russell, I should say. Like I have, I don't know if I've if I've watched him in the playoffs in a while. Has he ever made the playoffs? Yeah, that one year when uh, the Nets were. Is good. that the year that Spencer tore his knee? I think so. But wasn't was he hurt? That's what I was thinking. I swear he got hurt towards the end of the year, and Spencer came back. I don't know, but yeah, he's a guy with like he doesn't have much experience, right? So like, yeah. I want to see what he what does are, though. Because because I think with D'Angelo, oh, he did he did play he did play. He did play? Your question, um, nineteen and a half. Ooh, uh, lost one of four uh, one to the Philly. Yeah, so he played okay. Okay, we'll see. Yeah. I, I'm gonna have my eyes peeled on this matchup. Okay? I firmly believe this is probably gonna be one of the more interesting first round matchups if Ja plays, just in terms from entertainment standpoint. Um, it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, there's a lot of young, a lot of young. Players. Yeah, like sometimes I watch a playoff basketball. And it's just some old geezers out there. This is the young bucks flying up and down the court. You're gonna see a lot of fast break points. You're gonna see flashy dunks. Atman's a performer. Jaws a performer. Um, it's fun basketball when I'm watching these two teams. So it'll, it'll be a good matchup. But I want to move forward to 
well, who do you want to move forward to? I don't want to talk about that team from Southern California, but um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about Dallas and Utah. Dallas and Utah, four or five seeds. Um, I'll take I'll take Lucas the MVP. Dallas in six. Dallas in six. Luca the MVP. Surprise player. Um, I think a surprise player for me is going to have to be Spencer Dinwiddie. Because I want to know whether or not you can prove to... Are you going to... Are you a placeholder or are you going to be a part of this team for the next year, year and a half? Right? Uh, obviously, he's played. He's had performances where he's played well, but his overall numbers for the season are still pretty bad. So I want to know what you look like in the playoffs. And I think Dallas is, is really evaluated. But can we acknowledge that Dallas has had like a bad roster for a while now? Like just in terms of like yeah, baseline talent? Like it's it. bad. That's why, that's why I don't know why you're picking them, to be honest with you. Like, they have to win. They have to win. But so does Utah. I don't, I think Utah. Honestly, I'm writing I'm writing it in in in, in pen right now. Like I think Utah is a first round exit. There's too much turmoil. You guys are not on the same page. I I watched you exit in the first round before when you lost in the bubble. You're not like there's no pizzazz. It just looks like it's dead over there. Just it, it's not looking like a prosperous team. That side that side over there is looking dead. I'm taking I'm taking the Jazz still like that and that the reason why is what you said when I look at Dallas's <laughs> roster like there's no talent for them. Like, none none it's Luca Spencer Dinwiddie Maxi Kleber Dwight Powell THJ is hurt I believe I could be wrong yeah, Dory Finney Bullock Dory Finney Smith is actually turning into a very good yeah MVP. he's all right I'll say that still um, MVP I'm gonna go Donovan Mitchell surprise player. I'm going to go Jordan Clarkson. I think he's got something for these guys. Like right. Just on a, coming off the bench and just putting the ball in the basket with no other responsibilities. I think that's why I have my surprise player and most likely to sell. Um, I got Spencer Dinwiddie. I just, I just don't see a way coming back for that guy. Like <laughs> the way you phrased it, you're just looking for him to prove himself. And I'm just of the mindset where I'm like, all right, like you're going to have some couple, or you're going to have a couple of good games. You're going to hit a couple of good big shots every now and then, like what we've seen him do over the past month or so. But right. field goal percentage, the lack of playmaking, the lack of them to even give you the ball to play, given everything just goes through Luca. Like if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's not very useful. Right. And you put him on a team where the ball is funneled through somebody. It's Luca pass to somebody, shoot. If not, give it back to Luca and go again. So, and again, like we've done a lot of pandering to Luca because he's lost two playoff series, but he did some good things within the series. Like he's not proven, man, by any means. But he's kind of somehow, some way, he's lost two playoff series, blew a three-two lead, and we act as if he's a proven guy in the playoffs. Yeah, he he gets a lot of praise for for lackluster results. To be honest, um, guys like Trey Young, Ja Morant. Yeah. Probably deserve fair, just as much. To be fair, I'm not saying he was supposed to beat those teams. The fact of the matter is he didn't. Whether or not you were supposed to, like, I'm not going to praise you for winning three games if you didn't win the series. Feel me like 100% agree. Yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree. Um, Who else we got over here? PG's back, eh? I just want to put that out there. Yeah, <laughs> but they're not. They're Phoenix, Phoenix will deal with that. Fam. Like, it's just... They're locked. I think one, another good one is Golden State and Denver. I thought it was a no wash. Steph Curry. No Steph Curry. I thought he said he was back for playoffs, or is that still so up in there? Like, 
they they said i think the most recent thing they said is he might be back second round like let's just for the sake of argument sake let's for argument's sake let's say no steph curry clay's back by the way yeah no steph Stop curry i still have them seven i have, I have warriors in seven because I know Jokic is going to give them nightmares, but I just don't see how they how they keep up. If Wiggins can go out there and do what he's been doing for the majority, well, the first half of the season, I should say. Oh, this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. This is a tough one. Yeah, this one's going seven. This one's going seven. This one's going seven. I think MVP of the series is going to be Jokic, but I think it's going to be in a losing effort. Surprise player is going to be Jordan Poole. I think Jordan Poole is going to be key. He's going to have to go out there and really, 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 really like be the X factor. I need I need him to put on some serious buckets because Clay's been hit or miss. Clay's been putting up 31 game and disappearing for three and coming back. That's not going to perform in the playoffs. And we don't know what his minute loads is going to look like in the playoffs. So we know what it's going to look like. It's going to be 40. He's playing 40 minutes tonight right now. Clay? Yes. He's his his minutes right now are on a madness. He eclipsed 40 the other night for like the first time and he was like super proud of himself. They're playing him minutes. It's not even a question anymore. I always yo, Clay's was not a regular person. Remember when load management and man's resting started became a thing. He was never on that foolishness. So yeah, I just always figured. I didn't know he played forty minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. That's just and irresponsible, though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they like come him. on, man! Even, like, not even a question. He played thirty nine when they came back into Utah on yesterday, Saturday. Yo, yeah. Steph. Yo, Steve Kerr is gonna have to get together. There's no. Yeah, he's playing. Oh, but he's he's taking games off too, though. But that's not happening in the playoffs. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is they're not going to... It's not... It's There are no training wheels on right now with that guy, as far as I'm concerned. He's taking off back-to-backs. We're not seeing back-to-backs in the playoffs. And backs against the wall, like... I don't know. I, I, to answer my own question, I guess, I think I'm taking... Taking the Warriors, reluctantly. I think just because, yeah, they have more talent around them. I'm going to go MVP Jordan Poole, um, I think. It's going to have to go through him from a playmaking standpoint. And surprise player, I think Draymond Green's going to turn it on. And we, I've seen him. Last time I saw him in the playoffs, I saw him absolutely turn on and be on a, a madness when we thought he was washed. And I expect the same out of him now, especially with Clay there. Obviously, Steph Curry without him, it's a bit different. But Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Wiggins. They should be able to beat Jokic. I just need four guys versus that one player. And as good as Jokic is, like at some point, it has to stop. He can't just keep carrying his team. Yeah, it's gonna wear at him. It's gonna wear at him. And I feel bad for Jokic, man. Like he's really having these. You? you call him the worst MVP of all time. There's more context to that. And it, you know what? If he doesn't see a finals, what are we talking about? What does that do with the MVP? Did D Rose see a finals? But I think D Rose might be uh, D Rose might be the worst MVP. Ah, has never been made to the conference finals. Yeah, hmm. I guess the Lakers. You're right, you know. But I can't call Derrick Rose the worst MVP, man. The, the fans will eat me up, man. I won't. They'll actually <laughs> they'll actually send hate mail to my to my address. I just don't know if I, I don't. I'm not in love with the idea of an MVP not making, not seeing the finals in their career. That that that's what just bothers me. And I don't know very many other outside of Derrick Rose because AI made one, Charles Barkley made one, Shaq, Cole, like yeah, all the MVPs for the most part have always seen the finals. Steve so. Nash didn't make one. I'm not. 
Yeah, that's true. But he's a back to back. That's a back to back. That's a back to back, though. But that guy was also running the West for years. Like the, that, the, that Phoenix team was was not that. This Denver team was not that Phoenix team in terms of just performance and talent. Mm. Okay. I don't know about that. That's debatable because a healthy Jamal Murray and and Jokic. Nah, they can't rival stats. <laughs> not not stats. stat Sean Marion. Come yeah, on, bro. Not stats though. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, honestly, this is gonna be an interesting matchup. I think Jokic is gonna go leave everything on the line, but I think there's gonna come a point in time where Denver's gonna have to really assess what they're doing with the future. I know some unfortunate things have happened. Jamal Murray's on his way back, but the MPJ situation is gonna hinder them. They got a lot of decisions they got to make with some of the ancillary players. So, um, you can't keep wasting seasons like this from Jokic. Uh, I've said for about four years that they needed to consolidate, and here we are now. But they kind of did Tory, consolidate. They made decisions. Nope, not Tory Craig gone. Michael, my, uh, Malik Beasley gone. Uh, who else? Gary Harris gone. All these guys that were producing on their roster and probably had value, they got absolutely nothing for it. What they have to show for it is Aaron Gordon. Right. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. <laughs> Oh, we'll see what happens. We will yeah, see. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's fucked up because by the time Jamal Murray gets right, if MPJ ever gets right, Jokic's body might be worn out. Right. And we're back in the same position of saying, oh, next year, when everyone gets healthy. No time like the present stuff. I was watching a YouTube video and they were saying that MPJ, like, he had a setback in his in his back recovery. Yeah. And they were saying, like, it's it's spooky. <laughs> it's, it's really, really, really bad. Because they're basically saying that where he injured himself, it's not something that gets better with time. Like it, it just, it kind of heals on its own. Like it could be, it could take any amount of time. It may never heal. And then on top of that, with John Hollinger saying that he has the worst medicals you've ever seen from a college player, like it's, it's not looking good for MPJ. Or they gave that man a bag. <laughs> a max. But those type of deals is what gets CBAs renegotiated still. CBA is up for negotiation, I think, what, next year? From well, I'm talking about lockout-worthy. Those type of deals are lockout-worthy. <laughs> 200, like, I should even get mad because the man got his money, but come on. Man. So now that we, we covered some of the teams, I want your opinion on this because this is something that was raised in the, in the NBA community. I want your honest opinion. So they're saying that in the new CBA, they want to adjust the Supermax deal. They say they want to add two provisions. One being, if you sign a Supermax deal, you the team has a no-trade clause. So the team, the team already has a no trade clause. What do you mean? <laughs> the team already has a no trade clause. They cannot trade a player if they don't want to. No, no, no. But I'm saying like in, in the sense that like, okay, maybe the no trade clause isn't the best way to put it, but basically the team reserves the right to not trade you. But if you outwardly re request a trade, then they get fined. The player would get fined. And then there's a set like number. There's like a set uh, criteria that has to be fulfilled for you to still get the increments of the supermax. So let's say, Let's say on average you were making like forty million a year, right? With the supermax, that's going to bring you to like say sixty-five. They're basically saying in order for you to get that extra twenty-five, here's what has to be satisfied. That way, when players are just getting supermax and say, "Oh, I don't want to play here," or this, this, and that, they don't get burned for that extra twenty-five. So, I hear that. So it'd be like games played. It would be like it's like uh, they're not obviously the criteria is not set in stone, but just that idea. And then the uh, other idea was um, that the supermax should be reserved for first team all NBA performers. Yeesh. <laughs> Which, if we're talking about it, yeesh. really makes fair, sense. <laughs> it makes sense. 
it makes sense. But I think before the NBA PA allows that, they'd make an even bigger super max for the first team all-in players. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense from like, like well, it I'm depends saying, on what the owners want to do, though. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, before the NBA PA goes for that, I was just saying the only people that can get a Supermax is the first-team All-NBAs. I think they'd make another uh, higher Supermax for first-team All-NBA players. My thing with the... I, I agree. I believe that something has to happen. Right. What they've, like... Manzar Robin, which Supermax has worked out? That's one of the questions that I'd actually asked. Steph Curry. Fair. Which one? Any else? Uh, Steph Curry. You, Hard, could, you Hard, could probably say Harden. Yeah, Harden's been signing them, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he's been taking the I feel like he's been taking the, the plus two years one. Yeah, Harden's been good. You know what yeah. Harden's been a fair one. Honestly, my solution is if you are traded and you agree to the place that you are going, mm-hmm. you have to take less money. You you have to take what the what you could get on the open market. So what another team can offer you. Because obviously the amount that AT that your team can offer you is more than Right, but what another team would offer you if you were to leave. But, but but I'm saying you have to agree because the flaw is if the team decides to trade you, you just lose bare money. So hold which on. Isn't fair. But let's say let's say someone gets into the second year of the supermax contract, it'd be yeah. hard to assess their fair market value. It's not about fair market value; it's just what you were eligible for at the time you signed that deal. So what's I, the maximum? Yeah, you could have gotten at the time you signed that deal. So let's say okay, I signed the supermax for a hundred mil, but I could have only got seventy five. Then basically from another team, from right? Another team. The different when you when you accounted for a yearly basis, whatever the discount would have the to annual, be. Yeah, then right. that's what you'd be. That's what you'd have to take if you go and request a trade. Right. I don't think I'm not asking you to go and give back the money you got from the year before when you're on the supermax because right. you played for me. You earned that, right? But on another team, give that back. So I think that's fair. Okay. And the flaw again is if that. I'm making 50 mil and the team just decides to trade me. Should I have to give that up if I didn't want to leave? No, but put somewhere that has to be mutually agreed to because we know man's out here requesting trades. Right. And they're just abusing the system. And listen, I'm not that mad at it because at the end of the day, man's are getting paid. It's not that serious. But if we're talking about just from a pure like decision-making standpoint, this has gone incredibly wrong for the only. You have guys getting traded for themselves. Oh, like John Wall got traded for Russell Westbrook, and now there's a discussion of them trading back for one another. Just because for that's first how bad the contracts are. Come on, bro. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, I just wanted to touch on that because that was interesting. And I thought that it was worth of a discussion. But um, as you said, again, the playoffs are around the corner, man. We got about, what, teams have, what, two, three games left? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 78. Yeah, about three, four games left, depending on the team. It's going to be crazy. I feel like this playoffs is going to be one for the ages. It's going to be a lot of great performances. There's a lot of young bucks in the playoffs this year. We're finally moving out of the phase where the playoffs are reserved for guys that have been there for years. We have brand new teams like Memphis. Phoenix is still a young team in comparison to um, a lot of other teams. Uh, I'm not going to say Clippers, but uh, there's a lot of young teams. Minnesota. Um, Boston's still a young team. Chicago. Uh, it's going to be Cleveland. interesting. Yeah, Cleveland. That's going to be an interesting team. So I'm interested to see exactly how NBA playoffs turn out and exactly what the first round, first round matchups look like. Hopefully our buyers, sellers, MVPs, and surprise players all make it through and they actually live up to what they're supposed to do. Maybe not the sellers. I don't want to see anybody sell, but somebody has to take the losing Someone end. has to. <laughs> Someone, has, Someone to. has to do it. Um, but yeah, you want to say anything before we wrap up and get out here? No, I'm good. All right. So as you said, again, it's the All Hustle No Luck podcast available on all stream platforms. 8 a.m. We've been doing some great things. So make sure you guys look out for that. Make sure you guys go double click on some of our old content. We have interviews. We have collabs. We have really interesting episodes. As you know, we get real animated on here. So make sure you guys go double click on that. Share. 
never hoard a good thing. Make sure you guys you guys give it to whoever's willing to take a listen because put a lot of time and effort into the content. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's wrap up and we'll talk to you guys next time. Take care.